shall we begin? Hey everyone, and welcome to Legion Quest, where we uh, we talk about Legion. We talk a heck of a lot about Legion. I am your host, a uh, swinger on the astral plane, Zach Jenkins, and with me, as always, is a guy who thinks he had a dog once, Matt Sibley. Matt, how you doing? Pretty good. I bought a Switch an hour and a half ago. You bought a Switch. Okay, okay, okay. What'd you get with it? What game? I well, it's it's a it's a weird story. So. Like, uh, when they announced the price, it was too much for me at the time. Amazon then did a deal, like, two weeks later of, like, £10 off. So I bought Zelda. And then and then up until this week, I was just expecting Zelda to come. And, like, I'd get, I'd get a Switch in a couple weeks. There was one website which was running, like, a weird price thing where it was less than 200 Tried to go for that. I didn't get it. And then, because I'm back home this week, I'm close enough to a few stores that I just, like, I did, like, a run around. And then, like, I walked in, like, like a big kind of, like, retail thing, not expecting them to have any. Just checked the stock, and they were like, oh, we have five. And it's like, oh, okay, fine, I'll buy the red and blue one. <laughs> it's like, I don't get how it worked. I don't think it should have. I'm not really going to complain now I have one. Yeah, no. That thing looks great. Yeah. I, I wish I could get one. I wish I'd had time to play one. I'm still really excited about my. Uh, I built a Raspberry Pi emulator to oh, wow. play SNES games, <laughs> and I'm real pumped about that. But I cannot commit the time that I need to get to a, get a Switch or anything like that. No, like I'm I'm kind of done in April with school stuff, so I like Ooh. I have enough time to use it. Well, that's cool. That's real cool. So what I'd say is let's switch up the conversation. <laughs> that is a wonderful segue <laughs> <laughs> to Legion Chapter Four. We are halfway through the season. Yeah, and a lot of stuff a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. A heck of a lot of stuff happened in this episode. You know, I watched Lost when it was like on for real and that was mm. last show I can remember that had just as many mystery stuff going on. Like Yeah, the amount they throw out you throw yeah. out each episode. Here's the thing. Legion's answering a lot of questions real quick and they may not be the answers that you want and they may not be as detailed as you want, but heck, we're getting them. Mm. I think the first thing we got was with uh with Carrie and Carrie. Oh yeah, yeah. We kind of have more development with them because it's an episode which like sidelines David in a way. Yeah. Focuses more on the supporting cast. It's so weird because it opens up. Well, it opens. Let's talk about how it opens up because oh, that kind of like dreamlike. <laughs> introduces the freaking best guy in Oliver Bird. Yeah, Jermaine Clement is a wonderful man. <laughs> the, uh, the robot coffee man. Hmm. Yeah. He is in a swinger suit. It's in an ice cube. <laughs> and he's giving philosophy on storytelling hmm. and fear. And I think Empathy. Noah Hawley's just, write, just wrote that script straight from his journal. It's gotta be. <laughs> well, like, he, and, he, woke, he woke up at like 3am with like a Fargo plot and was like, I've got it. So, like, he's just, like, dug into the rambling, ramblings and, like, there's something here. Give me five minutes and I can make something of it. Well, it does this weird thing where it goes in and out and zooms in and pulls yeah. back out on Jermaine talking. Jermaine, his name is Oliver in the show. His name is Oliver yeah. in the show. His name is Oliver in the show. I'm going to call him Jermaine. Yeah, it's okay. I'm thinking of him as problem. Jermaine. I fell into, a, like, a Jermaine Clements rabbit hole the other day and just started watching Flight of the Concord stuff after. That happens. That's happened to the best of us. <laughs> but, so, Oliver, you know, he addresses the audience. And it's a weird thing, because I knew that Jermaine was playing. 
Jermaine Clement was playing uh, Melanie Bird's husband, mm. I didn't expect our introduction to be A, a coffee machine, and B, an ice cube. No, it's, it's, it's like it's surreal in a way, the second one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this episode jumps way into the surreal. Because mm. here's what happens after, after that introduction. We get freaking Sid Barrett doing a film noir Maltese Falcon hard-boiled gumshoe detective narration about what's real, what was David hiding, what's going on here. And then the, the episode literally just plays back the first four episodes in reverse or something? Yeah, it like, uh, it, I kind of have like on my notes that it becomes more dreamlike in the way that now it's built up all of the previous stuff. It can weave in, in and out of like what's currently going on and what's happened. Oh, yeah. Without it needing to be like, this is a flashback. And we talked about it. We talked about yeah. the last episode, how it has that quality of straight up a dream and not like a, you know, fantasy flashback thing that you get in most TV shows. Yeah. It feels like a walking dream. It feels like that place where everything makes sense, but in a very real way, you know it's all wrong and you're not sure what's happening. Mm. And... Oh, this show. Oh, I mean, it has, it has flash forwards as well. Like, it shows uh, the three's, like, confrontation with the eye at the lighthouse. Yeah. Not in, like, enough detail to kind of tell what's going on, but in the moment, like, it's confusing, but it's not like, oh, I've, I have no idea where, what's going on anymore. Like, the show's completely lost me. Like, it just, it works within the way that it's been constructed. And I, I know there is, there is, it's turned into a really big cliche, big trope of, hey, let's show... Something weird, obscure, bad happening. Record scratch. You're probably wondering why I'm here. <laughs> oh. But it works so well here. Just the foreshadowing of, hey guys, end of this episode, Sid's going to be on the ground. The eye's going to be around. Someone's going to be jumping out of a window. <laughs> Things aren't going to be good. You're going to want to see how we get there. I think that it works because like, we don't know what's going to be real anyway. Like, Yeah. In, in like a like a procedural, if there's a flash forward, you kind of expect like, oh, we'll get to that point, then the characters will probably end up fine. Whereas here it's like, we'll get to that point and this may not even be what happened. Yeah. This freaking show. This <laughs> freaking show. It's pissing me off how good it is. Hmm. <laughs> so we get all that. And they start. So what, what ends up happening? And you guys have all watched the show. If not, pause this, go on FX, watch the show. Why are you listening to us talk about it otherwise? How have you made it five episodes in before I. Oh, maybe I should watch what they're talking about. We aren't that interesting outside of the context of this show. <laughs> <laughs> but so the three go and they start investigating. Melanie sends Autonomy, who is still the best dressed guy on the show. His sunglasses uh, are dope. Sid, his sunglasses are dope. <laughs> Most of what he wears is dope. Hmm. But when he put them on, I like the fact the camera didn't like just kind of move immediately to the next scene. It stayed on. It's like, admire these. All right, now we can go. <laughs> Sid's there too, and then Carrie. Carrie with a okay. I don't know how to spell. She's Carrie with a K, right? Yes, I think so. This is one thing which I haven't fully locked down and can say with absolute certainty. But that sounds oh, right. Spoiler! Spoiler! I'm really upset that it doesn't matter now. Mm, yeah. It, I, I expected it to happen, like, during the montage, yeah, and was, I was fully prepared for it at that point, and then it didn't happen, but it's like, it's got to at some point, surely. Because, guys, Carrie, this entire investigation, is just 
wound up and ready to punch somebody. She doesn't care what's going on. She just wants to punch stuff. It's the next wave school of thought. <laughs> oh, it's it's a beautiful characterization, and it works so well with the reveal we get about her and Carrie, the uh, doctor, mm. the uh, medical. I don't want to call him a medical professional because he seems like he only knows about eighty percent of what he's doing. <laughs> Most capable but, of being in the medical profession of everyone in Summerlands. Yeah, he's the best they got. But uh, it turns out she lives inside of Carrie's body. Yeah. And they, they share a body. And she only ages when she's outside. Which is why he looks like he's in his early 50s, and she looks like she's, like, 25? Yeah, around 25, late 30s, or early 30s at the most. Yeah. It's weird. It's a cool... Okay, it's a cool thing because of how this show's handling mutation. Mm. And how it's handling mutants in general. This is something that Grant Morrison kind of played with in his new X-Men run, but that run was beholden to the fact that oh, this is still a comic book about people with laser eyes and knife hands. So. Yeah, and we've got to kind of have, like, a certain structure and expectations of, like, a 22-issue, yeah. or 22-page comic. Yeah, this doesn't have that. Look at all the freaking powers that you see here. David's powers have caused him to be institutionalized. Sid's have caused her to be paranoid about touching anything or anyone. Potomy seems well-adjusted, but... He was talking in, what, the second episode about how, you know, how much of a burden his powers are. Mm. Carrie and Carrie talk about how it kind of sucks. Yeah, they're, they're, they're linked. With... Yeah. <laughs> they're doing this whole thing where, hey, you know, being a mutant, it may be really cool to have laser eyes, but what if your power was just you could explode once and then you'd be dead? I was wondering whether you were going to bring in the worst X-Men ever. <laughs> well, because the worst X-Men ever is freaking brilliant. It is. It's a fantastic comic written by a guy who, Max Bemis, who composed the soundtrack to my ninth grade, you know, school year. (laughs) If you guys haven't listened to Say Anything, which is another, which is a band who actually deals a lot with mental illness because Max Bemis had some problems when he was doing a lot of drugs uh, back in 2004, 2005. But yeah, it plays with those same themes of, man... Everything kind of sucks. Mm. Well, I think the kind of interesting thing about it is it's not like overly nihilistic. Mm-mm. Like, you, like it's not like you finish an episode and like I wouldn't want to watch this another one if it was here. It's just a matter of fact. Hey, mm-hmm. not everything's gonna be perfect. You're gonna have some mm-hmm. stuff to deal with. Things come at a cost. Mm. So they they do that and they have their investigation. We we get a we get a little bit of thought of what's happening to David. And Potomy talks about, hey, uh, you know memories? You know memories? Memories aren't that reliable. You don't remember things as good as you think they are. I'm pretty sure David incepted himself and gave himself fake memories. Yeah, we're, we're back to square one on what we know about that. <laughs> what the what the what the what? So I'm loving, I'm loving the fact that this show is not saying, hey, you know all this stuff that we said was the regular real time? They're saying, oh yeah, that's... So far, they're saying that's real, and yeah. I tend to believe them, mm. unless theories that I'm going to let die are true. <laughs> I, I normally have an issue with shows which feel like their first season needs to be like an act zero to get characters to the point of like, okay, now we can move forward, mm-hmm. which is like an, like an issue I had with Westworld because it was doing so much kind of flashback-wise. But you right. know, with here and the fact that it's not necessarily going to be beholden to that idea like that everything that 
we're on, we were under the impression happened is also going to be the, what happened when we reached the end of the series or season. So I'm, I'm more willing yeah. to go with it here. Yeah, they're doing a real good job with it because they're playing with things that, you know, we were told, not that we experienced in the show. Hmm. Like, yeah. you know, they saw David's memory, but it was more, hey, we're going back to what was in your mind. And I, I know my personal memory, it kind of sucks. I remember what I want to remember. I may self-censor and edit things in my memory. Hmm. I think that's a really cool concept to play around with the show. Yeah, like it really adds to that unreliable narrator quality. Yeah, and we find out that unreliable narrator quality gets real bigger when we catch up with Amy, who she's in a cell with in Division Three. Uh, Doctor Kissinger, uh, David's doctor from Clockworks, is in the cell next to her. They talk, and uh, Amy tells us that uh, oh, you know that dog, you know that dog that's been in all the flashbacks that David loved his beloved dog King. He wasn't real. There wasn't a dog. Like that, that threw me for a loop when it happened, <laughs> and then we get like this, sh- like the kind of real close-up shot of King, and there's the violins, and it's like, how how is this the big re- how is this a big reveal, and like how has it blown my mind? How is it working so well? <laughs> yes, I don't get it. I this show, if you can't tell, we keep saying, how do they keep getting away with this? Because this is not how we have been programmed. This is not how we have come to expect television especially genre television especially comic books genre television to work and it's working at a level that you know prestige dramas yeah we expect we expect like a twist at times but we don't expect kind of the velocity which these ones are being thrown out at and we kind of don't expect them to be like simple in a way like Mm mm-hmm like, like, uh, oh, a dog isn't real isn't the same as, oh my god, that guy just killed, like, three of his teammates or something like that. Yeah, uh, it was legit. So they, they keep, the, the three amigos keep going along their, uh, kind of conversations, uh, trying to interview people, figure out what's real, what the stars were, mm. which is, we don't actually get a lot of traction on that, but I'm gonna no. throw it out there, because it's gonna be important, that's a question that will be answered, and they have done enough foreshadowing to make it a big thing when it does happen. Yeah, presumably that will happen when they meet up with David and kind of yeah. like a moment's rest. Yeah. So they go, their next stop is Philly, David's uh, David's ex-girlfriend. She is a real estate agent now. Uh, Patonomy and Sid have this thing where they go and try and buy a house, talk to her. Sid is not comfortable talking to uh, David's ex. No. Carrie's been stirring stuff up as well. <laughs> Carrie's just freaking, Carrie's just sitting there the whole time, and she's like, "I just, I just want to get in a fight. I just want to punch something. Just want to punch something." It's I, I was great. expecting her to start something at some point. Oh, half of my notes. I'm not even joking. I wrote this down like five times. Carrie just wants to kick ass all the time, <laughs> and I love her for it. I like. I have uh, Jermaine Clement with an exclamation mark. No dog with an exclamation mark, and Carrie with an exclamation mark. <laughs> a lot of good stuff there and we get we get a little more when we talk to when we talk to philly because uh, patonomy scans her yeah patonomy he sits there with his with his bitch and sunglasses and he's doing some memory work trying to figure out what's happening we find out that lenny was a dude yeah that's <laughs> lenny's, lenny's name is benny yeah google i mean like we talked about how the character was originally intended to be a guy 
And yeah, uh, I don't know if that was a swerve or no, no, like, yeah. it was like, oh, I, no, this is better. This is better. Yeah, like, I have no clue, but kind of, again, it's like, I thought I knew something. But... Okay. And here's the thing that this is going to be explained more, I'm sure, because mm. it was laid out right to the audience. Uh, Sid is a relatively sane person. Yeah. Like, she has issues with, you know, human interaction, but her her mental facilities are pretty darn sound. Mm. Uh, Sid knew Lenny. Sid knew a Lenny. So is yeah. Lenny, like, a rewritten memory on top of what Benny used to be? Or what, I... the, what is going on there? I, I, I don't... I think... Lenny in Clockworks has to be real, because obviously Sid sees the world, like, the angriest boy in the world on two occasions in this episode. So that's right. that seems like, in a, in a way, like, some of David's memories have rubbed off on her. And if that was the only way well, that she'd I ever met Lenny... I, could... I would say the only time that Sid has any of that is after she, you know, hung out in David's nightmare mind. Mm. And that feels like it would be, you know, the stuff seeping in with her, like, just... Mm. Something she brought back, like some sort of parasite or something like that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, like, she's she's seen Lenny at Clockwork. So, unless somehow, like, she was connected to David's memories, then, mm. like, like presumably, like a version of Lenny has to be real, and that Lenny has to have been killed by Sid when the whole inciting incident went down. Thing. Yeah. Mm. So they do that. They talk to Philly and Sid. Actually, I I really loved how Sid and uh, Philly interact here because. Mm. There's obviously a bit of tension. Sid doesn't want to be there, but she immediately gets, oh, wait, this isn't a competition. This is to help out David. And mm. Philly seemed like she was a pretty upstanding person. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end when she warns them that they're watching. Oh, when she says yeah. they're watching and the entire tone of the scene shifts and yeah. I don't know what happens. And then they go to a lighthouse to hang out with Dr. Poole. <laughs> who, can we talk about the fact that Dr. Poole and the eye... Like, Dr. Fool was the eye in disguise, but yeah. maybe just for this scene? How long was he the eye in disguise? That That's a good question, because I, I, I just kind of accepted that it was in that scene, and that's how the trap had been set, but if, if like, the eye had been impersonating the entire time, maybe they want David to find out what tape he removed and try to overwrite. Yeah, I don't know, but, oh man, this show, this freaking show, this freaking show. <laughs> so... They get we... to they get to Poole's lighthouse where he's a lighthouse keeper now. Uh, they start talking about David. Poole really wants to see him a little too much, and then we find out he's the eye, and then Division Three kind of collapses in on the place. Hmm. Uh, people start running. Autonomy uh, goes upstairs. Uh, Carrie and Sid are there. Carrie's so pumped she's like, "Okay, okay, we could do this. We could do this." Jumps out a freaking window and starts punching dudes. And hmm. I felt so happy for her in that, that like the entire montage around that bit is amazing yeah and it, I it's, think... it's very surreal very twin peaks in red room yeah it's such a good scene because they built up the punching and you yeah. knew the punching was happening you knew the punching was happening and, and then it finally did... happens in that way and it's just wonderful to watch oh yeah they built up the tension and then they said okay go and when they released it it was perfect they did all that we uh we get a showdown. Uh, the eye knocks out Potomy, and then Sid reaches out and touches him. Sid's the one who does this. I think I think this is my favorite. Like it's the most clever use of powers that we've seen so far. 
Oh yeah. Because like the eye like just dispatches Potomy instantly with like a hand hand on the head, and then in that moment Sid's like, we can swap, and then like I can take him out in my body, and like yeah. it, there's there's no need to explain it in the moment. It, it's like it's just like a seamless thing which happens in less than like thirty seconds. Now I'll tell you what Sid does need to do is work on her communication skills. It's probably for the best. <laughs> later in the episode, which by the way, this is an hour and twenty minute long episode. They are, because I was sitting there, about when this happens, it's like, oh yeah, this should be the end of the episode. This is this is the hour mark. Nope. Yeah, nope. The, the show's burning through plot in like a way that is expected of like kind of really, really good TV. Whereas yeah, like a, you can expect like this to be a cliffhanger in, a, in another yeah. kind of like other network. Well, because they, they set it up not just with, hey, this is where the plot's leading up. This is the climax because mm. that was the climax of all the flashbacks and all the weird noir narration stuff mm. but then they said okay we're gonna keep going they completely subvert audience expectation in a metatextual way and it's oh this show pisses me off it's so good but they do that uh carrie gets into a fight with a bunch of guys uh she kind of gets knocked down they everyone gets thrown into the back of a truck and sid looking like the eye says, oh, I'll take them personally. And they do. Before we get to what happens next, I think we need to talk about what Mr. Uh, Sleepy Daydreamy David's been doing in all this. Yeah, we should probably jump back. <laughs> How David's on the astral plane? That, that's a, such a trippy location, and there's a man in a diving suit at first. Oh, you mean the astronaut? That's a, it's a wonderful name. I, I was trying to link diving suits and ice cubes and things, but astronaut is... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jermaine's in a diving suit that he's wearing over his leisure suit. Mm. And, and presumably he... that's how whatever happened to him in, like, the 70s or whenever it was happened while he was in the diving suit. Yeah. And he, he's well, he's in the Summerlands as well. Yeah, he's... But he's, he's free, he's free to roam the mind. Yeah, he's, he's in a walk-in freezer in the Summerlands in his diving suit, but really he's on his mind is on the astral plane, which... I'm just going to get into it now. In the comics, the astral plane is like the med, the mental realm. Charles Xavier hangs out a lot there. The biggest villain of the astral plane is Amu Farak, the Shadow King. I mispronounced his name real bad there. I know how to do it. I'm not going to go back and fix that one, though. I don't like the Shadow King as a character, but I'm more interested in this is what they're doing because they describe him as a... They describe the entity that's screwing with David as a psychic parasite living on his mind, living on his fear, who helped him create a fake dog named King. It's the, the most nefarious of plots. Uh, it's like literally every a big pointing sign on that. And there's still the TV imagery, and there's still the fact that he's a big yellow blob man. But, yeah... You know, I, I've just got to say this. A moment of silence. My dear Mojo fan theory, you were my first. I'd, I'd never been as excited for a fan theory on a television show, comic book, movie, as I was with you. I wanted to see you produce the world. I wanted to see spider legs. I wanted it all, but we can't always have what we want. I'm going to let you go, Mojo Theory. 
I'm gonna let you let you percolate on some other show. Maybe this new X Men one that Fox is doing. We might bring you back then. I hope. For now, thank you for the memories. Goodbye. But yeah, so we got the Shadow King. It sounds like that's. I'm I'm just switching mm. bandwagons real quick. Ah, I would that's... prefer the Shadow King to multiple personalities. I think. Well, I I think, I think like the stuff with Fiend in Cyspuria's run mm. and how David's creating his own monsters worked well there because mm. the entire story from like page one was David controlling divergent multiple personalities that he had. Yeah. Here it's it's been someone's manipulating David. And mm. maybe the answer is, well it is himself. He's doing all this. But I got I got more excited when Potomy said or was it Pitotomy? no, it was uh it was Oliver. Yeah. Who said, Yeah, there's a there's a psychic parasite living with you. So Well also like when Oliver mentions him and it then cuts to the shot of David standing up the Devil with the yellow eyes is like kind of a shadow behind him the first time. So. Yeah, which was creepy. Mm. Yeah, and then there's the like there's the one later which like transposes the face of the devil onto the wall. But yeah, oh, yeah. So they go, they go hang out in uh, Oliver's ice house, his ice cube floating in the air they, with a record player. With a record player, yeah. His little swinger swinger chamber. They talk about uh. Is like they, they uh, talk... it's not like how anything you want to be real can be real yes they they talk about that they talk about what is reality they talk about a little bit of the inner workings of the astral plane how david should be able to control anything that happens here but there is an entity that's living here that's going to be screwing with them hmm. and you know, it's a really cool scene uh jermaine clement knocks it out of the ballpark like yeah he's... he definitely created an impression right from the outset <laughs> He's not a realistic character. Like, he's not a grounded character. We've seen some of those in this show. He's mm. a cartoon character, but I kind of love him for it. Yeah, his dancing's quite good. His dancing is amazing. The way that he just kind of, like, glides on the spot in a circle. Oh, yeah. So the, the, other, uh, the other thing they really do is uh, David, when he tries to... When he leaves the Ice Palace, Jermaine's Fortress of Solitude... He uh he runs into Lenny in his mind, and Lenny is just telling him, "Hey, we gotta go back. We gotta go back. I need you to get out of this coma. I got stuff to do, man." Lenny is terrifying in this. Yeah, it definitely knowing that like it was originally a Benny, and there's like another kind of layer to Aubrey Plaza's performance where she's somehow like being this kind of really like easygoing person, but that like it's somehow like an, an attempt at manipulating David. Right. So I mean. Can we, can we can we just kind of agree, and maybe maybe I'm way off base, but Lenny's like super evil, right? Lenny's the that, bad guy the, in this. One of my notes is like Lenny is the villain. It's like I feel like that's the yeah. Uh, whether is, whether it's like a form the Shadow King has taken or, or whoever it ends up being, it, like Lenny is definitely the person pushing David down the wrong path here. Yeah, Lenny is manipulating him. Lenny wants back in the real world, and. She shows David uh, a TV image of the real world, rest in peace, and David freaking teleports there. Remember, his body was in Summerland, his mind was in the astral plane, and he just says, oh, I'm going to hang out by this truck that uh, the eye, hint, hint, Sid in disguise, is driving. Shows up, causes a car crash, and then does not listen to his girlfriend while she has a 70s perm. 
And then it's just complete orchestrated chaos. Yeah, because the eye escapes. David's trying to stop, essentially, Sid from going anywhere because he thinks they're different people. At a certain point, after Sid just does not think to say, hey, David, I can switch bodies. Go get that one. Which I get it in the moment. People don't mm -hmm. think clearly. But it was very frustrating to watch. That scene, I knew what was about to happen. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Come on. Come on. Be smarter mm -hmm. than that, guys. Uh, Fargo's, like, about the inability to communicate. So it's it's, like, something that he, like, goes to frequently. It's, right. like, it, it's right. definitely one of, the, like, a frustrating thing being, like, watching it. Oh, yeah. Mm. When you've got a omnipotent perspective like, you know, TV viewers do, yeah, you get frustrated when characters don't act the way you think they should with all the knowledge that you have. And it, it turns into this whole thing, because the eye escapes, he starts running, uh, Potomomy's still knocked out in the back, Carrie gets up, and Carrie sees the eye taking aim at Sid and David, and she freaking runs up, and she takes the bullet for him, and I don't know if Carrie's going to be alive anymore. It really makes me mad. Hmm. All she wanted to do was punch and get action, and she was a joy, and then they shot her. <laughs> they, like, they made her into a puppy dog that you just wanted to yeah. love. And not and, just that, and, but then the cut to male Carrie just crumbling as well. Yeah. I don't know if he's dead either. I, I think if... I think if, like... She is dead. He's alive, but maybe like has felt the, like the full like impact of the bullet, and who knows if like if he'd feel like the bleeding out as well. Or well, one thing he straight up says in this episode is he doesn't know what's going what would happen when he dies. Hmm. What happens to Carrie? What happens to female Carrie? Because hmm. she wouldn't have a body to return to. It's a beautiful sentiment, and it really does set up that that whole Carrie's taking the bullet for the team. Now, there's previews that show Carrie maybe sort of being in other episodes, but at this point, I don't exactly trust that that means she's alive. No, I thought I thought from the promo for episode four that Sunlands was going to be attacked by the Division Three. Yeah. So that's kind of a down note. The eye escapes, <laughs> Carrie's bleeding, everything's bad. And that's where, that's where chapter four ends. That's oh, our halfway point in this season. It's the midpoint. It, it's the lowest. Yeah. I mean, fine. Yes, that that's. I shouldn't. I don't know what I expected. That's three act structure right there. <laughs> but <laughs> well, like, well, if we want to talk about acts, uh, the opening monologue of Oliver's is like, this is like an, a story in five acts. Oh yeah. So presumably these five have have like more of like a play like structure in that way. Mhm. Mm and there were, there were like five segments of this show. I think there were. Actually, I think there ended up being six segments, five commercial breaks, because someone was counting. Hmm. But I think the first segment was just Jermaine talking about stuff. So yeah, we could you you could count that as like the prologue in a way if you wanted to, in the yeah. way that like Romeo and Juliet starts with a prologue, but it still has five acts following. Yeah, Noah Hawley's just playing with all of the toys he can. He is hmm. not limiting himself to the standard TV procedure, and it's hmm. great. And I have, I can't believe that I have as much good to say about this show as I do. I was expecting something that I would enjoy every week, but not think is mind blowing. This, yeah, I think that's a fair thing going into a like quote unquote comic book show. Yeah, because I mean, we take a second. Comic book shows on TV, there's some real good stuff. 
like freaking Daredevil season two, those first three episodes with the Punisher, mm-hmm. that big mini arc they do, freaking some of the best comic book TV they're gonna find, but it is still trapped in the same genre conventions. Like, there's still plenty that doesn't make sense, that doesn't really work, and you just roll with it. Yeah, I mean, when people were talking about, like, how John Berthnell deserves an Emmy, like, even though I thought, like, his performance was good, I was, like, there was never any point where I was like, yeah, out of, like, the 440 people put forward for consideration, he's definitely in the top five here. Like, I, I, like, I couldn't do it. I liked him in his role. I think he did a very good job with the script that he had. I don't think the Punisher's all that deep of a character, all things considered. He's kind of carry. He's kind of just carry that he wants to shoot stuff. Mm-hmm. Cruising for a fight. Cruising for a fight. The Punisher story. <laughs> that would be a great Punisher road trip, like, trade novel. Cruising for a fight. Nah, cruising for a bruising. You want to make it rhyme. You gotta get True. that good, good stuff. But, no, I mean, this is this is blowing away every one of my expectations and i repeat Mm. that i've repeated that like every week because it continues to be true the bar is set so high and they they keep ah they keep raising it what i'm excited to see is if they can stick the landing because they're Mm. building up to a lot of stuff Mm. as as this goes on i'm kind of curious whether it's going to end up being like a multiple season thing or whether it's somehow just going to be one i wouldn't be shocked with either because I yeah. truly, truly believe that Noah Hawley has this idea of, he had this idea of, hey, this is how we can do this story. I think this story takes eight episodes, and that's how it happened. Hmm. I don't think they said, hey, we're going to give you an eight-episode season. What do you want to do with it? Yeah, that's how FX normally works, is letting creators do what they want. Yeah, because, I mean, Fox and FX, they approached uh, they approached Hawley about, yeah, yeah. you know, X-Men Project. They had, hey, here's a few two-line pitches that we had worked together. And this is the one he kind of chose, fleshed out, did a lot with. I'm way happier that we're getting this over the Hellfire Club show that they were thinking of doing and that they announced at the same time. Yeah, it's but, like that. that's, that's dead now, isn't it? I think it's been replaced by Untitled X-Men Project. Yeah, the one with uh, Amy Acker that just got cast. Yeah, the one yeah. with Blink and Polaris, and I could go on for hours. The one where they are simultaneously casting that and Inhumans in probably the weirdest amount of corporate synergy going on with the uh, Inhumans versus oh, X-Men. yeah, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> it somehow passed me by yesterday, but then like, I woke up this morning and was like, Ken Long's playing Karnak. <laughs> yeah. How, like, it feels like that should be like a big news thing, but it's also like, it's just so much is going on with that stuff that... Yeah, it's, been, it's become normalized. There is a ton happening, mm. and it's great. I love how I love how into this, like especially Fox. Uh, look, Apocalypse was a bit of a letdown. I liked mm. the movie, but it was flawed. Yeah, flawed's a very good word for it. Mm-hmm. But their recent output has been in the last three years: Days of Future Past, which is amazing. Yeah. Deadpool, which. Is, is well liked. It's, it's it's the best movie that it was trying to be. It does mm, its, okay. it completes its objectives. I think it's got issues. I don't think it's perfect. I think I enjoyed it, but it's got that. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's like necessarily a bad movie. I just think it just wasn't for me. I I think that's fair. It's it's a spe- very specific brand of everything. Yeah. Uh, but then they've done Legion, which yeah, I'm a fan of. 
Logan, which I have not seen yet. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I have. We'll talk about that at some point. Just let me know. Is it? Is it good? Is it good? Uh, at the very worst, it is good. Like I don't. I don't know anyone who would come away from that and be like, "Oh, this is just like so, so much like every other superhero movie." Like okay. it does have like this this stuff that which makes it special and different. Yeah, we'll and talk then maybe may, yeah, maybe it depends on like how much you have invested into like Hugh Jackman being the character. To well, he was the character when I was nine years old, and I've spent literally my entire life growing up with him as my idea of Wolverine, even if I'm not like in love with that. So hmm. I'm. I think yeah, I think you'll get a lot I'm out attached. of it. Attached. I'm attached. Hmm. I'd say that's a good word. I, re I remember going to the theater in Troy, Ohio, to the Mayflower, which was a, like, 20-seat theater. And oh, God. And I real upset that the uh, projector screwed up during the big climax at the uh, Statue of Liberty. So, hmm. yeah, I'm attached to that movie. I'm attached to Hugh Jackman. This isn't a Logan podcast, though, so I'm going to stop talking about it because I will go on for hours. I've been thinking a lot about Wolverines this week. So, uh, yeah, 30-second uh, summary on this episode? Yeah, sure. Do you want to take this one or do you want me to? I'll take this one. You'll okay. take this one? Yeah. Okay, 30 Have... seconds from Matt. All right. So, while David explores the astral plane, he meets Oliver along the way. And as he's doing this, Ptolemy, Sid, and Carrie dig around to find out what really happened before Clockworks. The mission leads them into a trap set by the eye, pretending to be Dr. Paul, and ambushes them. And it also turns out that Lenny was a man. Benny. The mission goes wrong, or chaos breaks out. David intercepts them, more chaos happens, and Carrie is wounded. That was that episode. There was a lot going on there. This was a difficult one to condense into 30 seconds and find a good structure for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about economy of storytelling. This is the most economical storytelling you can have, while mm. still going on crazy, weird, bizarre, trippy tangents. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, like you know, like the, the, the pilot was 70 minutes and that didn't have as much plot necessarily no. whereas you know this is shorter kind of has like a similar amount of trippy stuff but it's just it's running at full speed now exactly so uh we got we got a list of questions that i think we uh we have a few answers to some of these this yeah time. yeah we did out so, a lot of answers the first question is of course what's real i think we have more definition of what's real we definitely know what's not real now. <laughs> so that's like kind of answered, but in a very real way, it's the biggest question in the world. It, it's an answer which I've then put like another question mark on the end of it. and <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh... Presume it's not entirely correct come next week. Mm -hmm. uh, our next question, what caused the kitchen out first? Which, uh, you know, again, last week we got a lot more definition on. This week they stayed away from it, which I think is that's the first time the show hasn't gone back to that. Yeah, I thought when uh, Patonomy was scanning Philly that it, and there's the apartment shot, it was somehow going to detail what happened, but obviously fakes us out and has the conversation with Dr. Paul. In the kitchen, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That was cool. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we don't learn much about what's up with the Summerland crew, like what their mission is. It, they keep talking about a secret war, hmm. and that's going to... That's going to be needing answers soon. Yeah, it's probably not going to be so secret in a little yeah. while. Yeah, that that's going to need definition, and I think they're building to that. Hmm. Uh, especially with the conflict in this episode. Hmm. Uh, we had a question, do you think the angriest boy in the world is the same entity as the devil with yellow eyes? 
I'm still in camp. No, yes, I'm in camp. Yes, that's where I'm at. But we didn't get much on this. No, yeah. they kept very separate here. Though I'd like to point out one thing I noticed: uh, Sid's the only one who sees the angriest boy in the world. David's only mm, seen it yeah. in that one flashback when he was a little toddler kid. Yeah, that's Which, a good point. I'm I'm done trusting his memories at this point. Mm. I don't think they are worthwhile. <laughs> wow, how rude. The dude remembered him having a dog. So, look, I know every dog I owned all through childhood, liked them or not. I didn't make up any dogs. So we got that. Uh, we actually got answers on Carrie and Carrie. Mm. I think someone, you know, you could ask, oh, wait, what about this weird detail? It's not important. We got the mm. high-level thing, and if you look too hard on how it would work, just the whole thing's going to fall apart. So mm. I think we got sufficient answers on that. And then uh, last episode, we had a question of who David was in bed with, because I wasn't sure if it was Lenny or Philly. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's answered. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> think he was in bed with Benny. No, it's it's if, not if kind of a large slobbering guy. Yeah, good for good for him. He just doesn't seem like uh, David's type. No. So, and you know what? I don't think I don't think there was a huge amount of questions beyond everything else that we've had. One thing I, I think we should one thing we should add is like, what did the stars say? Yeah, that's going to be important. Mm. They ask it a bunch of times in this episode. Yeah, do you uh, think it's Cerebro? I think it might be Cerebro. I think. I don't. I said it the last time, and I'll say it again. You don't do a story with David Holler and not bring up the fact that he's Xavier's kid. Hmm. That's his one deal. Yeah, I think I said last week that I didn't expect them to get to it in this season, but I, I'll probably retract that and say it's likely going to be layered into. Well, originally, originally Noah Hawley said that the first shot of this show was on a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously things change, hmm. but. I don't think you do this show without getting Xavier somewhere. And I don't think it's James McAvoy, even though that would be great. No, it's I, uh, yeah, Who knows who it's going to be? For, I think there's room for another bald guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> so, I I really like that episode. Yeah, I think this is probably my favorite of the ones so far. Like, yes. this, th like, in order, like, four, three, one, two. Yeah, I, th I think that's about right. And that's not to say that two was bad or one was bad, because they were fabulous. This show just keeps getting better. Okay, so as we wrap up, Matt, where can people find you online if they want to do right, that? You can find me at Matt underscore Sibley on Twitter and also over at Newsarama. I did a review of Superman 18 this week, which kicks off Superman Reborn. It's the big crossover with uh, Action Comics. And it's going to be dealing stuff with Mr. Oz and like the wider we Rebirth plot. Not oh, too hard. Watchmen exists? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. It didn't really like cause waves back in May when they announced it. Well, it caused waves, and then 12 hours later, we found out that Captain America was a Nazi. So that was... Oh, God, yeah, biggest... I forgot that was the same day. Yeah, that was the biggest comics news day I've yeah. ever been to. Because I sat there and I said, Watchmen, what? And then I said, what? He's a Nazi? I don't know what's happening. Oh, yeah, because it, like, it was like the Wally news happened. And then somehow, like, Bleeding Cool got all of the other... Big pages. Yeah. And then it, like, kind of died down. Everyone got to grips with that. And then the next day, people were like, um, have you guys, like, read Captain America Steve Rogers? Yeah, because no one was excited for that book that I knew until that happened. And then everyone had very strong opinions on it. 
very strong opinions. And as for me, you can find me on the Twitters at Xavier Files. Uh, that's also the name of my website where we're doing a lot of cool stuff with uh, the release of Logan. We just did an article on Old Man Logan. And some guys did a really cool video about uh, an article I wrote uh, over a year ago on Strong Guy. So go check that stuff out. Uh, if you like the show, follow us at Legion Quest on Twitter. Uh, if you really liked it, you can go to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and uh, donate to our Patreon. That helps us, you know, pay for hosting, pay for all this stuff, and uh, keep doing the stuff that uh, stuff that you guys have been enjoying. So, uh, Matt, good episode. Anything else? Uh, I just want to remind everyone that Wednesday's karaoke night. Wednesday's karaoke night? See, what's your go-to karaoke song, Matt? I gotta know. <laughs> I'd say One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. That's a fabulous option. <laughs> Mine is, uh... Ballroom Blitz by Sweet, which I have legitimately oh. won money performing. Wow. Yeah, it was a whole <laughs> That's thing. That's impressive. Yeah, it's great. So think about that, guys. David, David. Shall we be it?